if you're sampling from an environment, there's going to be like uh, hundreds of bacteria in it. So just imagine uh, there's going to be like uh, millions of jigsaw pieces and you don't know the original picture. Uh, it's going to be very tricky to sort of assemble them and picture what's exactly there in the community. Greetings, my good humans, and welcome to Lefteris Ask Science, edition number 25. I am Lefteris, the annoying guy that calls academics and scientists and asks them questions until I understand what, how, and why they do what they do. This week, for the first time in more than a year, I met a person in three-dimensional space. I traveled all the way to Nanyang Technological University and met Ms. Krithika Arumungam from the Singapore Center for Environmental Life Sciences and Engineering. And she helped me understand what genomes are and what DNA sequencing is. Before we go on with the show, as always, we have some housekeeping. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to it and share it with your friends that might like it too. Follow me on Twitter at lefteris underscore asks, and we also now have an Instagram page under the same name, which is very exciting. Also, I just made a new Facebook group called Lefteris Asks Science. Come join the group to ask questions, find out about updates, and much more. Lastly, I have a weekly newsletter where I share my favorite news from the world of science and academia. I have small explanations and links to the research for anyone who wants to find out more. If you like that, go to the show notes and click that link to subscribe to the newsletter. Lastly, in the show notes, you'll find links that you can support me in doing this by donating. Let's now meet Miss. Armungam. I'm Kritika Armungam. I'm a bioinformatician at the Singapore Center for Environmental Life Science Engineering, which is a research center of excellence located at Nanyang Technological University here in Singapore. So um, I finished my undergraduate in computer science and engineering from India, and then um, I moved to do my master's here in Singapore in bioinformatics, so just to be at the center of an interdisciplinary field. Do not adjust your podcast sets. I did say in the beginning of the show we're going to talk about genomes and DNA sequencing. Ms. Arumungam moved from computer science background to bioinformatics. If you want to be a part of multidisciplinary study, then you'll probably have to juggle a lot of different information about different fields. How was that experience for Ms. Arumungam? Yeah, it was, uh, it was challenging initially. Uh, well, uh, I was completely new to all the biology constantly. I had some modules in biology in my high school. <laughs> that was my last of, you know, studying biology. But then after coming here, like, uh, yeah, initially it was a bit challenging, uh, like jumping into a new topic. Uh, you get to know a lot of things. It was quite interesting as well. But uh, like using your informatics skills to understand, you know, complex things in biology was, very exciting. <laughs> yeah. It is always exciting for me to see unfamiliar terms even from the title of the paper. While I might have seen the word genome before, the word replicon did not sound familiar. Luckily enough, I have someone that works with both genomes and replicons to explain to me what is what. So I guess uh, genome must be a very familiar term. If not, it's uh, it's basically a genetic material found in any uh, living organisms, like uh, so, which is actually the DNA, the deoxyribonucleic acid. I guess uh, you know there is a sort of a 
uh, Helix Bridge in Singapore near the Merida Bay Sands. So yeah. that's a DNA inspired structure. So that's how a DNA look li- looks like. And uh, so once you decode that for any particular organism, then uh, that's actually called the genomes. So, uh, which is actually responsible for uh, all the functional aspects of a living organism or uh, how actually a living organism looks in case of humans, like how you look, uh, what's your hair color. So everything is encoded in the DNA. Okay, so the genome consists of, you know, the chromosome, which is the primary genetic material. Uh, And then there are other genetic material as well which we call them as non-chromosomal replicons which are uh, smaller in size compared to the chromosome but uh, they are still useful and uh, they have other different functional aspects compared to the main chromosome compared to the primary chromosome as we learned genomes are the instructions and rules that an organism follows to grow and develop your dna or the rna if you're a virus One thing you might have heard about when it comes to DNA and its genomes is a term called sequencing. DNA consists of four small different compounds, cytosine, guanine, adenine, and thymine. The long helical structure of a DNA consists of different sequences of these four components. So sequencing is finding out what is the structure of a DNA when it comes to these four components. Sequencing is basically the process of uh, reading the DNA, encoding what's actually in the DNA. So that's a technical term, we call it sequencing. What people normally do is uh, they collect samples or uh, if, if it's a single bacteria, they try to grow it in the lab and then uh, sequence it, as in sequence it as in meaning uh, decoding what's actually present in the DNA to understand the function of that particular organism, in this case bacteria. So there are different machines which does it. So once you collect the sample, you extract the DNA out of it. So this is all done in the lab. So the DNA is actually sheared. The process is you start with shearing the DNA, that's you cut out the DNA into multiple different, you know, lengths. And then you, the machine tries to read uh, each of the fragments. So and the machine actually gives you an output in the form of text file. So, okay, text file as in you cannot open it with a normal text editor. It, it's going to be quite big. It's in terms of, giga, it can be uh, as big as gigabytes or terabytes as well. So, I mean, that's when we step in, the computational people step in because as the data gets bigger, you need like specialized people with different expertise to look at the data, right? So, okay, the, actually the file, it's actually a text file. Uh, made up of uh, different characters encoded in the DNA, which is actually translates to the compound encoded in the DNA. So the DNA is actually made up of uh, four compounds. We call it uh, A, T, G, and C, which is actually adenine, thymine, guanine, and cytosine. So the short form is A, T, G, C. So you have a text file with, you know, permutations and combinations of ATGC, which is actually the DNA being encoded. Okay. Sorry, decoded. Mm. Uh, so since you have uh, shared the fra- DNA fragment before into you know uh, multiple fragments, so uh, the length of the DNA fragment is quite small, right? But the original size of the DNA of the chromosome in the living organism 
say for example microbe it's going to be like 5 megabase but uh, the technology allows you to only share the DNA and then read it out in smaller fragments so okay so since the fragment size is smaller it becomes difficult to reconstruct the original chromosome of the bacteria uh, okay so an easier way to visualize this is people usually compare it to a jigsaw puzzle I'm sure you must have played it as yeah. a kid or sure. yeah so so you okay in a jigsaw puzzle you don't know what the picture is but you have this picture is actually cut out into smaller fragments so you try and piece them together to form you know the bigger picture the bigger picture right so okay in this case it's a bit tricky because uh, if the jigsaw pieces are going to be smaller there's going to be many pieces so it's going to if you don't know the original picture it's going to be difficult to you know uh, put those pieces together and reconstruct the original picture so in this case we uh, uh, you know uh, joining the small genome fragments there can be like millions of fragments so putting them together and trying to form the original chromosome is always challenging so even it's challenging even if it's a single bacteria so for example if you're sampling from an environment there's going to be like uh, hundreds of bacteria in it. So just imagine uh, there's going to be like uh, millions of jigsaw pieces and you don't know the original picture. Uh, it's going to be very tricky to sort of assemble them and picture what's exactly there in the community. I really love the puzzles example. So when scientists want to find out, for example, what types of organisms live in a lake, they take a sample and try to piece all of the fragments together to figure out what is the complete picture they make. It's like if we take 10,000 piece jigsaw puzzles through all of the pieces in the same box and try to create the 10 different images. It would take a lot of effort and time to achieve that. Now one thing that could make things easier would be if the pieces were actually bigger. And here is where the terms short read and long read sequencing will be used. Technology has advanced uh, to an extent that uh, we can increase the size of the pieces, as in the DNA fragments which are being read. So normally what we do is we do short read sequencing. So uh, in short read sequencing, uh, uh, the error rate is very negligible. So uh, to date we still use short read sequencing, but uh, one of the limitations is that the length of the read or length of the DNA fragment, we call it a read in technical terms. Sure. So the length of the DNA fragment, it can read as, it can go up to 300 base pair or 300 characters, if you can call it that way. So the technical term is base pair. So each of the A is a base and T sure. is a base. So sure. you can read up to 300 uh, base pairs. Okay. Uh, the process of uh, trying and putting the genome fragments together is going to be tricky. So it's it becomes easier if the genome fragment, you know, it can be, uh, if it's a bit longer and if the sequencing machine, you know, can uh, read the DNA fragment uh, up to a bigger length, it's going to be easier, right? Comparatively, when you have a bigger jigsaw piece, you know, it's going to get easier, right? Yeah. So that's what the long read sequencing here okay. actually means. Now, 
How do they actually do the assembly of the genome and how do they know that they got the correct picture? So what the assembly algorithm does is uh, it takes the reads and try and merges them to produce a contiguous uh, section of the reads. Yes. So if there's an overlap, the reads are going to be merged. So like I said, the read is composed of A, T, G, C, right? Yeah. So if there's an overlap in another fragment, those two are going to be merged and we try and produce, the algorithm tries and produce extended fragments of the genome okay. to try and make the reads a bit longer. So, so once uh, the algorithm has uh, processed the reads, what we get out of it is called contigs. Uh, which are actually extended fragment of the reads. Okay. So it's just a different terminology. Sure. Uh, so we call them contigs because they are contiguous sequences. I guess it's a short form. Yeah. So, okay, in short, re uh, and then there are different techniques uh, uh, to try and combine the contigs based on the, uh, uh, based on um, uh, the characteristics of the contigs as in uh, uh, how uh, 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 there are different characteristics of the contigs, like you can take into account the abundance of the contigs, like how many reads were used to make that context. So the more the number, uh, the reliable the context is going to be, and then uh, we can group contigs together with you know similar abundances, assuming that they are coming from the same bacteria. I see, okay. So, I mean, this is one kind of characteristics. There are multiple characteristics as well. So sometimes we combine all those characteristics to try and group those contexts together to see, uh, you know, uh, which of these contexts belong to or uh, come from which bacteria. So, okay, in this case, uh, uh, the, back, the genome is still made up of multiple contexts. It's not one complete content. So that's what we are trying to achieve with long read sequencing. We are trying to achieve if we can acquire one single content, like a continuous uh, content uh, of say five megabase pair in length, which is approximately the size of a bacteria. So in case of short reads, you still can get five megabase pair, but they're gonna be fragments of contigs which is going to sum up to 5 so there can be like 100 KB, 100 KB or NMB so everything together so they are still in multiple fragments Okay. Uh, because there are uh, they, since they are in multiple fragments uh, uh, we might not know the ordering of the contigs you know if a particular contig is going to you know be located, located at position 1 and it's going to uh, be difficult to place those contexts together or mm -hmm. uh, the order in which they actually come from. Yeah. So so those are the limitations associated with chart rate sequencing. And it can be difficult to sequence or uh, place the comp there can be complex regions um, in the genome of any organism. So if the read length is shorter, we might not have sequenced those complex regions. So it's going to be difficult to, you know, piece them together. Sure. So that's why we use long read sequencing uh, to actually uh, check if we can uh, uh, get a continuous genome sequence yeah. instead of multiple fragments. Yeah. So that's what we were able to actually uh, uh, see in this paper, like uh, 
we did we were able to extract uh, around 22 genomes which was uh, like complete closed genomes okay meaning it's in a single fragment yeah. uh, not fragment meaning it's just in a single sequence sequence yeah sure. right the benefits of actually having a face-to-face interview, I was able to see both the machines that were doing the sequencing, but also, most importantly, the data themselves. It is astonishing to see a text file that is gigabytes in size. In my complete ignorance of how Ms. Arumungam works, I asked if life would be simpler for her if instead of sequences of letters, she would find a different way to visualize the data. So it's difficult to visualize the read at the read level yeah. but we uh, well at the raw read level but um, there are different ways you can depending upon what you want to what you're looking for in the data depending upon your research questions yeah. so if you want to look at uh, uh, the taxonomy taxonomical content of the species in the data then uh, uh, we try and map the reads to uh, existing databases, so uh, and check if uh, you know how many reads map to a certain species or a certain genus of a bacteria, and if the number of reads mapping to a certain bacteria is more, then we can you know say a certain pa- certain percentage of bacteria is found in that yeah. sample. So something like that, but uh, uh, that that's how we were uh, analyzing the data initially. But then, as the uh, you know uh, assembly algorithms started developing, it's uh, it becomes much more reliable when you try and piece those things together instead of just mapping them to a database. We try and reconstruct the original genome. Sure. There. So that gets more interesting, and uh, we can actually know what kind of bacteria is actually in there and what are they doing and uh, yeah. yeah it's like yeah and what are the functions of it so if you try and recover the genome then it's easier to understand how that particular bacteria works and uh, uh, how it's responsible for certain things certain processes in, in the, the source samples etc yeah, yeah. Puzzle solving in this magnitude doesn't happen on a local computer level. These algorithms require a lot of computational power in order to give results in a relatively short time. But even then, the time is not as short as you think. Sequencing from the sequencing machine depends upon uh, the throughput of the data. It can take uh, a day or two so to sequence it. But when you're processing it, processing the data, uh, it depends on what you actually want to do. Sure. So, if you're doing a taxonomy analysis, uh, uh, it can take a few days. Uh, but if you're doing an assembly algorithm, so uh, I mean, there is also a sort of uh, limitation to the existing assembly algorithm. So. Uh, so the data size keeps increasing, but uh, you know it, it's difficult to catch up computationally with the development of yeah. tools as well. So, so for example, we had been uh, trying to assemble uh, around uh, I can't remember the exact number, or maybe around a, a billion reads. So uh, with the existing 
capacity, computation capacity we have, the metagenome assembly for that took around uh, uh, a couple of, no, two to three months, I guess. So, I mean, it doesn't make sense to wait for that long. So instead, uh, we try and sort of uh, compress the data or subsample it randomly in a yeah. way that, you know, you could answer your questions sooner. Yeah. So, yeah, so it depends on what you actually are looking for or what kind of questions you are uh, looking to answer. So, um, so usually uh, for the, in general, we, if you're generating say around uh, one run of HiSeq, HiSeq is the sequencing machine, mm -hmm. the type of sequencing machine. It's mostly, short range sequencing is mostly done in Illumina, Illumina is the company name actually. Sure. So the kind of machine we use is HiSeq. So HiSeq generates around, uh, one run of HiSeq generates around uh, 600, approximately 600 million reads. So if, if your community is going to be complex, that is if you think there's going to be like hundreds of bacteria or hundreds of microbes in it, uh, you have to sequence more. Yeah. Only then, you know, the sequencing depth has to be higher, only then you'll know what kind of uh, microbes are in there. And if uh, if the abundance of certain microbes are less in the community, it's going to be difficult if you, if the sequencing depth is low, it's going to be difficult to recover genomes of, uh, recover microbes of lower abundance. Yeah. So the higher the sequencing depth, better your chances of recovering genomes of yeah. bacteria. So the resolution basically is a bit yeah, better. Yeah, right. So, yeah, so for uh, for example, one run of high seek generates around 600 million reads. So, uh, I'll tell, uh, yeah, so, so you do initial quality checks as well of the raw data, and then if you're doing a metagenome assembly, uh, we usually, uh, split the data, I mean, so for example, you can, okay, so uh, there can be multiple samples sequenced in one run, yeah. so each of those uh, samples might have like, say, uh, if there are 10 samples, then there might be around 60 million reads per sample, so you can assemble them sample-wise as well, mm -hmm. so that's going to be much faster in terms of assembly. Sure. So if you're putting all those samples together and assembling 600 million reads, that's going to take, uh, you need more RAM for it and that's going to take like few days to a few weeks. Sure. So, and then once you get the results from the assembly, uh, so, I mean, if it's short read sequencing, you're not going to get the complete sequence of bacteria. They're going to be in fragments, right? Yeah. Even though you assemble them. So we use other techniques called metagenome binning. Uh, that's how uh, earlier when I explained, we try and group those contexts together based on their characteristics. Mm -hmm. So that process is actually called metagenome binning. So there are other downstream analysis as well to evaluate uh, if the bin or all those contexts belonging to a particular genome, particular bacteria, if they are complete, uh, we have to analyze that as well. So there are other downstream processing as well. So yeah, it can say roughly take one, like one to two months or something sure. for yeah for one run of high C. And then there 
and then you can interpret so okay these are the kind of bacteria in there so we can then check the functions of it etc so it depends on your research question yeah, time sure. taken so the initial processing can take a month yeah for <laughs> say one run of high seek yeah yeah and that's it for another edition of Lefteris Ask Science DNA sequencing is a big puzzle-solving exercise, which sounds really, really exciting. And imagine that sometimes, if you have enough results of a sequence that you can't match to anything in the database, you might discover a new kind of species, which is always exciting. I'd like to thank Krithika Rumungam for her time. In the description of the episode, you'll find links for her bio and the work we were talking about. And thank you for sticking around until the end. In the show notes, you'll find ways that you can support me in doing this. One easy way you can support me is by just sharing the episode with a friend. I really appreciate it. Until we meet again, take care, keep learning, and be kind. <laughs>